great to see everybody. Uh, it's great to be back with everyone after the holidays. Um, today we are going to be talking about the resurrection of the dead uh, in our end time series. Um, it has been, we've talked about new heaven, new earth. We've talked about, uh, I guess last week we didn't talk about uh, the end times, but Joey did a thing on uh, hell. And then now, resurrection of the dead, which, you know, it's a weird topic to talk about because at first glance, there, you know, isn't really that much into it. Or uh, it's weird and confusing because you hear a lot of different things, a lot of different perspectives of what is the resurrection of the dead. Um, and I know James already prayed, but I'm just going to stop and I'm going to pray. Uh Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for just this time to be able to dive into your word and dive into this topic of the resurrection of the dead. Lord, I just want to, man, I I pray that you can speak through me that what what comes through is your spirit, God, and that uh, the scriptures that I bring up today are uh, from you, that you are speaking through me as I talk about this topic of resurrection of the dead. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will be done. Love you, since Jesus name I pray. Amen. So, getting into it, before we talk about resurrection itself, we're going to talk about a little bit of Jewish background. Uh, starting with Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, so we know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are two different political, not political, sorry, uh, religious parties that, eh, two different religious parties um, back in the day of Jesus, that were experts of the law. One believed in the resurrection, Pharisees, and one did not, Sadducees. There's a little bit more, but I'm getting into that. Pharisees believed in the resurrection, Sadducees did not. Um, it's hard to pinpoint to know when there is a difference, when, to, when they separated, um, but they debated vigorously and sharply. It was... Uh, Paul brings up their disagreement in Acts 23, which causes dissension, and uh, they break out in disagreement because of, because of this, because of the resurrection of the dead. Uh, the Sadducees, again, were a Jewish party that did not believe in life after death, resurrection, or even angels. There was no hope, or, no hope or no need of hope of a resurrection. Uh, one of the things is that they refuted the oral law, so everything that was not in the Torah. If it wasn't in the, in the Torah, they said, we don't want it. We don't, we don't preach it. We don't, we don't practice it. It's not in the first five books of the Bible. It's not law. Uh, which was a bit of a problem to the Pharisees because they believed in the oral law, and it was with the Torah and the law, the, the oral law, that came about what was taught. So, with that, there really isn't a whole too lot that is actually in the Old Testament that talks about resurrection. Though there are still ideas of resurrection. Um, there's ideas of resurrection in the Old Testament, um, but then just in Jewish culture. Uh, some of those scriptures, I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to uh, point them out and if you want to write them down and look at them later. But there's, in Job 19, a mention of it, Isaiah 26, Daniel 12, and Hosea 13. 
all have mentions of resurrection in the Old Testament. Uh, one thing I want to focus on is so there's a Jewish prayer called the Amidah, and that is prayed three times a day. And in that prayer, it talks about resurrection. And I just want to read a portion of that. Thou sustainest the living with kindness and revivest the dead with great mercy. Thou supportest all who fall and healest the sick. Thou settest the captives free and keepest faith with those who sleep in the dust. Who is like thee, Lord of power? Who resembles thee, O King? Thou bringest death and restorest life and causest salvation to flourish. Thou art faithful to revive the dead. Blessed art thou, O Lord, who revivest the dead. So we see in this prayer, um, resurrection of the dead is a major theme in Jewish belief. Uh, again, we don't really know, like, we don't really see where it comes from. Like, it's mentioned in those scriptures that I mentioned earlier in the Old Testament, but we don't know where exactly it comes from, but that there is a major theme of it in Jewish belief. Uh, majority of Jews had hope for redemption and victory over death, and this is the background that Jesus is born into. Um, go ahead and turn over to John 11. We're going to uh, talk about this conversation that Jesus has with Martha. And we're going to be in John 11, starting in verse 21. So, uh, just a little bit of context. Jesus, uh, Lazarus has died. Jesus is going to go raise him from the dead. And before he does that, he is with Mary and Martha. He's talking to them. It's been about four days. And that's where we're picking up. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? First of all, like, what incredible faith, Martha, to just say, like, yet he will live. Like, I know he will live. Because she has this hope. Martha is this Jewish woman who was tied into this culture, and she would have prayed this prayer. She would have prayed the Amidah. Uh, about the power of God to bring life again. And they prayed that prayer three times a day. So she was very immersed into this culture. Uh, she clung to this promise. She clung to the promise of resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the, res the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And that like thinking about that, like thinking that introspectively of man, do you like do you believe that Jesus is life? Jesus brings resurrection. 
Jesus says that he is the resurrection. We have life in Jesus and are made alive because of him. And here we see something that is often repeated, uh, which often repeated, which is a language of already and not yet. Uh, in Jesus, we have life because of him living his life without sin, dying for us on the cross, and being raised on the third day. We can have a relationship with God. We can participate in that same death, burial, and resurrection. Death is not the end. Um, Death is not the end. So we have this, when we participate in that, we have this both and of, we are resurrected, but at the same time, we're still alive on this earth. Are you with me? Is this making sense? All right, we're going to move on. We're still talking about this. We're going to move on. We're going to look at some examples of Jesus being raised from the dead. Um, We're going to go over to Luke 24. We're going to read a few different excerpts. starting in verse 13. So, Jesus is risen, and this is when he meets uh, two people walking to Jerusalem. 24, starting in verse 13. That same day, two Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Amas, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Uh, We're going to stop there and skip down to verse 30. Uh, You know, they they talk all day. They invite him in. They don't recognize him during any of this portion. That's where we're picking up in verse 30. So, they're sitting down. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread of Jesus and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. It's crazy, right? Like, suddenly they, he broke bread, which is something he did um, before he died on the cross. And then, and then they saw who he was. We're going to continue. I'm going, to explain this, I'm going to explain this in a moment. I'm going to bring it all together. I promise. Sounds good. Uh, go down to verse 36. And just as they were telling the disciples about them meeting Jesus, about, and just as they were telling about them about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can, you can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Okay. Three more sets of scriptures, and I'll bring it together. John 20. Mm. 
Mary Magdalene is at the tomb. And Jesus has risen at this point. She, you know, is distraught. Where is he? Starting in verse 14. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And then down in verse 19 and 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Okay. And because we're talking about end times, we're going to look at one more. And we're going to look at Revelation. Revelation 1. So, John, having a vision, um, being, showed, being shown this vision, uh, this is Jesus talking, and this is him seeing Jesus. John 1, I'm sorry, Revelation 1, uh, starting in verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundering, thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I die, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Okay. All these different examples. The two disciples, Mary, they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't recognize who he was. In the two disciples' case, God kept them from knowing. In Mary's case, we don't really know. It doesn't specify. But Jesus, risen. Jesus, new body, new life. And then, you know, he shows up to the disciples. And he just shows up. He disappears and he shows up. How he does that, we don't really know. Power of God. Yeah, whether they were all kept from knowing or because he had a new body or they had doubts. There can be some speculation as to why they didn't recognize him, but he is risen again. He's risen. He shows himself to the others. He vanishes, shows up out of nowhere. Peace be with you. Uh, (laughs) Scary. Suddenly, the person you thought is dead shows up behind you, shows up in front of you and says, peace be with you. Like, whoa, what's... What's going on? Um, but, you know, what is a scary image is Revelation 1, right? Uh, Jesus, 
in glory. Uh, there's glory in this image. Mm-hmm. He was victorious over death, and he wants the same for us. In this image is Christ reigning above in heaven with all authority being given to him. Mm-hmm. And again, being victorious over death, wanting the same for us. Mm-hmm. Some would say that the resurrection is not real. It's not going to happen. That's you know the, Sa- the Sadducees. They said that. They believed in that. They did not think that this was possible. Uh, and Jesus calls them fools about it. There's multiple accounts in it in Mark and Matthew. Or I guess accounts in it in Mark, Mark and Matthew. Um, but Paul talks a lot about on Jesus' resurrection and then the resin- resurrection itself. Go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to be spending a lot of time here talking about resurrection. And I'm going to start in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12. You guys still with me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We're going to stop there for a bit. So without Jesus being risen, our hope is in false doctrine. Our hope is like the Sadducees in this life, to eat, to drink, to die. With no hope of victory, no hope of resurrection. That's it. If Jesus didn't raise, there is no victory and no victory over death. What is it we find our hope in if, it, if there is no resurrection? We don't believe that Jesus rose or that we will rise again. What is our hope in? Finding my notes. Jesus leads the way with being the first to be raised from the dead. Uh, specifically, the first to rise from the dead and not die again. Because he raised Lazarus, right? But Lazarus died. Jesus was the first to rise and stay alive. Because Jesus rose from the dead and led the way, we too can rise. Let's keep reading. Picking up in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For as by a man came to death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Victory over death. <coughs> a cycle of sin and death start with the sin of Adam. A cycle of everlasting life begins with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. We can choose to step into this death, burial, and resurrection, or we can choose to step away from it. We can live the life, we cannot live the life. Uh, Again, as I mentioned, Paul will say later in this chapter, if there is no resurrection, why not just eat, drink, and then die tomorrow? Again, it's like the, the, uh, the Sadducees, forgetting the word, um, the Sadducees in their logic, in their ways of there is no life after death. You just live and die. But that's not what Jesus proclaims. That's not what Paul is saying here. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we'll have victory over death because of Christ. We can have life in him. Isn't that amazing? So awesome that we get to have life in him. Victory because of him. Now one thing is that there is victory, but that doesn't mean that there is not suffering for Christ. Because as Christ suffered, we will still suffer. We will still feel, we'll still feel the push from the world. We'll still feel the pull from sin. We can, again, we can choose to walk the life in the spirit with God, or we can choose to walk the life in our flesh and in sin. And if we choose the spirit, then there will be suffering for Christ. Continuing on, you can go down to verse 35. Now I'm going to read through 49. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps a wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body, as he has chosen, to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one is, one, is, is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. So, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, 
it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the image of the man of heaven. <laughs> In the resurrection, we shall receive new bodies. James and I uh, talked about this a long time ago, and have a we have a joke of like, oh man, angels have weird bodies, right? They have weird, like, uh, <laughs> eyes all over. They have, uh, you know, like, six wings. Um, and all of them are covering their bodies. So how are they flying? Uh, eyes everywhere still. And the joke is, oh, you get a new body? You're a big eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is, we don't really know what our new bodies are going to be. It's probably not going to be that, but really we don't know. But what we do know is that in our new life, in our new bodies, it will glorify God. While we are in our earthly flesh, our destiny is death. Living according to our fleshly desires will only bring death. Living to glorify God and as Jesus Christ as our Lord brings life. There is death that has to happen first, which is our bodies. But just as Paul is talking about, as a kernel dies, so sprout, and so as a kernel dies and sprouts, so too shall we be risen. And I just want to point out this scripture again, fifteen forty nine. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of man of heaven. We will bear the image of Christ. Again, isn't that amazing? First, we were born into sin, and now because of Christ, we can have life, and we can bear his image. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to continue. We're going to finish out this chapter, 50 to 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the, perish, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We cannot live a new life in our flesh. Our new life. Uh, flesh is of sin, and sin cannot be with God. But we can and will with new bodies that are given. Again, who knows what the body, what those bodies will actually look like. But there is hope of being risen again. Living life according to our flesh is not compatible with living life in spirit with God. Only one can be true. Only one can happen, cannot serve two masters. Are you with me? This is good news. Jesus brought victory and he brought hope of new life in him. Of course, we're talking about resurrection. How do we get there? How do we, when does this happen? How do we get there? Part of it's not yet, and part of it is now. And already and not yet. Uh, we're going to talk about baptism, because that's part of it. That is the already and not yet. Go ahead and turn over to Romans 6. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Man, I could read all of Romans 6 and talk about Romans 6 for a long time. (laughs) But I'm going to read Romans 6, 1 through 8. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen. (laughs) We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Okay. We are raised from death of our sins when we are baptized and make Jesus Lord. So again, we are resurrected beings already when we have participated in the death, burial, and resurrection, we are in that state of already and not yet, of living this new life in the Spirit, with the Spirit. We die to sin, and we are alive to Christ. Again, it's that daily battle, that daily walk of, am I going to live first? Am I going to live for God, or am I going to live for my flesh? All right. We are transformed, and we are still being transformed each day 
as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4. We have the Spirit in which helps us and guides us to live according to Him and not our flesh. Paul talks a lot about that in Romans 8, of living by the Spirit and not living by the flesh. Because the Spirit helps us and guides us. Alright, we're almost there. Bringing it in. So, this is, again, this is a pretty weighty topic, right? Because it's confusing. It's not really clear as to what entirely the resurrection of the dead is, other than, you know, we will rise. We don't, and we'll have new bodies. But, with that, there's victory. With that, there's hope. At the beginning, I said it's not very clear at first glance looking at resurrection. But the more you look at it, the more you see it riddled. At the very least, in the New Testament, of new life, new hope, of life with Christ. So how do we make this practical? How do we make the resurrection of the dead practical for the not yet? In order to have a new life, new and resurrected life, we need to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because it is then that we receive the Holy Spirit. It is then we can walk by the Spirit. We have victory in Christ. He is our example. He is our Savior. How can we share in this good news and prepare people for this? We walk with them. We share the gospel. We serve. Yeah. We give. We, we live as Christ. As Paul puts it, and I'll read it in a moment. Um, no, I'm not going to read that in a moment. I am going to read, uh, sorry, different thought. Focusing again. To live as Christ, to die as King. I want to want to end with Philippians three and an encouragement of from Paul to attain this no matter what. Philippians three. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead.
Thank you, guys. Veronica is going to come up and she's going to share an for me. Yeah, I think um, this is a very confusing topic. This is a very, uh, if you were to go and share with someone and say, yes, let's talk about the resurrection of the dead, they'd be like, hokey, um, <laughs> hokey dokey. And they would probably, you know, push you away. But the, the matter of fact is, like Paul is talking about, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, where's your hope? What's your hope in? You know, when Jesus comes and he um, has his last supper with us, which communion is us remembering that, right? He's, he knows what's coming next. He knows that he's going to be going through an immense, heavy, deep suffering. And that's life. <laughs> who, who of us doesn't know that? Who of us hasn't experienced that at some level? Life is here to beat us up, is what it seems like half the time. But the message that Paul is giving, that, that Anthony pinpointed many times that, that we have in Christ, is there's life after this. There is more than this. When we take communion, we remember that Christ died. Yeah, that's, that's a part of life. We have people in our life that pass away. My, most, most of y'all know my cousin overdosed um, last month. It was awful. It was one of the first losses in our family in a really long time of just something that was just awful. And I don't know where he stood with God. God knows where he stood with him. But what about us? What about us and everyone we know and everyone that we love and everyone that we cherish? Where's the good news for them? It's this. It's this. It's this resurrection from the dead. It's that there's more to come. It's that this life is awful, but it isn't it. You know, people like my cousin suffered their whole lives with just life being hard, and they were trying to escape. But you know, he never found it. He never, he never found that real hope and that real life. He never, he never really grasped what life is about because life is for Christ. If I live, it's it's for Christ, and if I die, it's gain. I win. We win. If we in this room have been baptized into the Spirit, have participated in that life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we win the game. <laughs> the game is over and we won it. That's exciting. That's amazing. Let's walk with that into the new year. Tomorrow is New Year's. Let's remember that Christ died for us, and that we get the choice. We're still here. We still get to choose every single day. If we don't choose every single day, then we've lost the game. Let's all participate together. Let's all make sure that each one of us wins the game. We all want to see each other at the end, but that's not what it's about. We all want to see God at the end. We all want to know him. We all want to be with him. And we all want to see Jesus in his glorified body, whatever our new bodies look like. We're not going to be concerned with walking through locked doors. You know, we're going to be concerned about glorifying him and praising him forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're excited. 
right? We get to walk into this new year with you. We get to walk into a new hope with you. New Star Wars right <laughs> We get to spend eternity with you. We are participating in your spirit's life every day. God, we have your Holy Spirit. We get to walk with you. God, that's amazing. That's amazing. God, I pray that when life is dark and difficult and hard and we want to turn to things that aren't you, God, and we do that a lot because this world is tempting. It's beautiful out there. It's ugly. God, I pray that we can remember that we have your spirit, that you are the only light, God, that you are the only hope that we have. God, there is nothing in this world that brings us hope except for the resurrection of your son that we get to do that someday. We have no idea what that looks like because it hasn't happened yet for us. But we get to do that. We get to be there with you. All of these prayers that we pray to you are sitting there and you are, you breathe them in like incense because this, God, is what you ask us to do, is to come to you and to lay down our lives before you. We know that there's more than this here. God, I pray that all of the suffering that we endure through this next year, through 2024, that we can surrender that to you, God. That we can lay that before your feet at the cross. And know that it just it stays here on this earth. It doesn't come with us. It is perishable, God. But your kingdom and your future is imperishable. God, thank you for giving us this gift to move forward in life with you. Father, thank you for everything that you give us every day that reminds us that you are an amazing creator and giver of life. God, as we participate here in this communion, remembering your son's death, let's remember his new life too, that he's never going to pass away again. He's always going to be with us forever. God, that's amazing. And thank you for it. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey everybody, welcome back to Discipleship Podcast. Just want to give you an update for the fall of 2023. We are talking about how to make the kingdom of God tangible in our everyday lives throughout the week. And on Sunday, we're meeting as house church. So these recordings will be a little more intimate and interactive, and you may even hear some group discussion, but I think you will enjoy it. Please, if you do, leave us a review, uh, go check out our Disciple Makers YouTube channel, and be sure to share about it with your friends. Thank you so much, and now, here's the episode. Mm-hmm.